0: chapter 5 we're going to re- read about five verses verses 27 down to 32 and this is what it says it says after this he uh, he being jesus jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and leaving everything he rose and followed him and levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want to kind of walk through this scripture with you guys for the next few minutes that we have. But before we do, would you mind praying with me? God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you are a good God, and uh, you never fail us, and so many things in this life will fail us. So many of this things in this life are actually out to get us, but God, you are for us, and you are always with us, so we thank you that just every moment of our lives, uh, you're there, and you're here right now, and uh, we just even, we invite even more of your presence into this space, and we just kind of surrender to you, And we ask that you would speak to us, every single person, uh, no matter where we're at, would we just hear from you in a tangible way. So again, God, we give you everything, we give you our lives, and uh, we thank you for this moment right now that we surrender to you. We pray this in your name, and all the God's people said, and all the God's people said, that's more like it. Hey, show of hands, really quick, how many of you would consider yourself to be a neat freak? or a clean freak you're a neat freak or a clean freak like four five of you six of you a little more raise your hand nice and high come on don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed it's okay because I'm one too I'm a clean freak I'm a neat freak I hate getting dirty now I think there is a difference between a neat freak and a clean freak I'm not a neat freak neat neat is like when things have to be organized and 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 and, and tidy I guess I'm a little bit of that, but I'm primarily a clean freak. Things need to be clean. My wife is a neat freak. The house always has to be in perfect order, but, but I need things to be clean, which is funny because one of my earliest memories that I have in my life is when I was, like, just a little kid. I was in the backyard playing with my brother and my cousins, and we were in the mud, digging for earthworms and we were covered in mud looking for these worms and now I can't even like look at a worm without getting grossed out and the idea of being covered in mud I just I can't even do it I, I just can't do it so it's it's springtime right and I love spring but uh, I love it for the fashion but uh there there's 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 mud and water everywhere. Me walking down the street, like trying to get to my car or a park across the parking lot. I look like I'm playing hopscotch, like I'm just dodging puddles and trying not to get my shoes dirty and like treading so carefully and just trying not to get my my, my shoes dirty. And uh, a little while ago, um, Roberta was cleaning our bathroom, and uh, I noticed that she had a had a toothbrush and it was. It was uh, a special toothbrush. I'll tell you why in a minute. But she was taking this toothbrush, and she was about to throw it in the garbage. And right before she threw it in the garbage, I stopped her. I said, hey, don't throw my toothbrush. And she's like, but I looked in the toothbrush cup holder, and your toothbrush is in there. This is your old one. I'm like, no, that's not even for my teeth. That's for my shoes. And so I have a toothbrush that I use just for my shoes to keep them clean. And I'll put them through the washing machine, and then I'll scrub them and make sure that they're nice and clean. And people will be like oh are those new shoes and i'll be like no i just i've had these for four years i just keep them clean and scrub them with a with a toothbrush and and so um and i'm also the kind of person who like if i get a stain on my shirt i'll change my shirt as quick as possible which is so funny because about 20 minutes ago i was sitting in the green room drinking my coffee shout out to the cafe team and i spilt on my shirt and i immediately started panicking i'm like I need to change this shirt, so I call Roberta. Roberta didn't answer, and so I, the, the band is like, go to the bathroom, maybe you can get it out, and I run to the bathroom, and I start scrubbing it with soap and, and, and water, and, and I have this tissue, and I'm just scrubbing it as hard as I can, and, and uh, it's, it's out, there's no stain, but praise God for that. But I was freaking out, I was like, maybe I can make it home really, really quickly and get a new shirt, or maybe I could whip over to H&M, no, it's closed, and so I can't do that, and like, I was just freaking out. I don't like to get dirty, I don't like messes, and a lot of us are like this, right? And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to have clean shoes or clean clothes or a clean house or a clean car. A lot of us want that. But I think when we run into problems is we, when, when we want to live clean lives. And what I mean by clean lives is lives that are, you know, sanitized. Lives that are kind of these cookie-cutter lives. Lives that are safe and comfortable. I think it's one thing to have a clean shirt. I think it's a whole other thing to have a clean life, and I don't actually believe that Jesus wants us to live clean lives. I think Jesus, the, the, the life that he invites all of us into, is a life that is messy. Life is messy, and he invites us into a messy life, and he's called us to um, live these messy lives. And so, in, 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 uh, if you're taking notes, the title of my message tonight is simply, uh, Made for the Mess made for the mess. I believe that we as Jesus followers have been made for the mess. Life is messy, and we've been called to get in the mess with people. We have not called to live these perfect lives with all of our ducks in a row. We have not been called to save up a great amount of wealth and move out into the suburbs where we don't have to worry about our safety. We have been called to live messy lives, and I want to explain a little bit more about what that looks like, but Luke chapter 5 actually gives us an incredible example of what living a messy life looks like and what it looks like to walk alongside people and interact with people every single day. So Luke begins this particular section of scripture by telling us that Jesus was leaving one place and heading to another. And while he was on his way there, he was walking and he saw this man named Levi. Now the Bible actually tells us his occupation. Levi was a tax collector. Now obviously that gives us context for what he did he collected taxes but there's so much more to it because what had what was happening at the time that this was written is um, the nation of Israel God's people which Levi was a Jew and this all takes place in Israel God's people had been their their country had been taken over by the Roman Empire and so they were under oppression and under slavery to the Roman people Now what the Roman people would often do is they would allow people to function with their same government, their same political systems, their same uh, authorities, their same cultural kind of setup and their same religious systems. And, and, And so they would just say go live your life but you have to pay us taxes. And so what they would do is they wouldn't send their own officials into these places to collect taxes but they would hire from within. And so they would hire in this particular case in Israel they would hire Jewish people to take money from the Jewish people and give it to the Romans. And so imagine someone your your country being taken over, you're under rule the rule and reign of someone else and your old friend is now like pay up and they take your money and they give it to the people that are oppressing you and keeping you in slavery. This was Levi and Jesus walks by, and where other people would often, they would ignore him, they would turn away, they would, they would almost have blinders on, they didn't want to look at Levi, they didn't want to see him, they didn't want to think about him, that man is disgusting, he's, he's a backstabber, he's disloyal, he's betrayed his people, where most people wouldn't even pay him any attention or look at him, Jesus, the Bible tells us, looked at him. Jesus sees people that are overlooked, Jesus sees those who are rejected, in fact, Jesus looks in the eyes those who have been rejected. And I want to let you know, if you're here tonight, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus has his eyes on you. There's never been a moment in your life where Jesus didn't know what was going on in your life. He sees your struggle. He sees your pain. He sees your your, your hurt. He, 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 He also sees your successes. And he celebrates those with you, and he sees your victories, and he sees your triumphs, and he not only sees you, but he loves you. Did you know that God loves you? God loves you despite your mistakes. God loves you despite your shortcomings. God loves you despite people who have overlooked you. God loves you despite the fact that people have let you down or even hurt you. Jesus loves you, and as I was preparing for this, I felt like God just kind of put this sense in my spirit that there's someone here. You'd hear that, and you would say, yeah, I know he loves me, but You feel like God loves you and it's a burden. You're like, I know He loves me and I feel so bad that He has to love me because I'm just this terrible person and I know it's in His character, but He has to love me. And I just wanted to let you know that God's love towards you is not burdensome. God's love towards you is not something that He has to do. We don't serve a God of the have to. Like, we don't have to go to church, we don't have to tithe, we don't have to serve we get to. We get to serve, we get to tithe, we get to show up to things like this, and when God looks at you, and he sees you, and he loves you, it's not a have to love, it's a get to. God looks at you, and he's like, I can't believe that I get to love these little human beings, so I need you to know that you are not a burden to God, and Jesus sees you just like he saw Levi, but Jesus doesn't just like look at him, and like acknowledge him, and be like, hey Levi, and and walk away, no, what Jesus does is so, so scandalous. Jesus is walking, he sees Levi, he actually calls out to him, he says, hey Levi, come and follow me. And in doing this, what he's doing is he's inviting Levi into a relationship with him. So when most people, the only things they ever said to Levi were insults as they were paying his taxes, they said, get out of here, Levi, go away, Levi, you're a backstabber, Levi, we don't like you, Levi, Get out of here. Go over there. Jesus said, come here, Levi. Come, come near me, Levi. I want to know you. I want to be friends with you. And when Levi came near, he didn't start giving him a speech about his terrible life decisions and his poor choices. He just said simply, I want to know you. I want to be your friend. I want to have relationship with you. Despite Levi's mess of a life, despite his poor reputation, and despite the fact that he didn't look like anyone else around him. You know, Jesus isn't afraid of our messes and our mistakes. Jesus saw us, and he came into our lives, and he got involved in the mess of our lives. And so I think this begs the question, as Jesus is looking at people, are we looking at people? Are we seeing people who we come into contact every single day and not just seeing them, but seeing them for who God made them to be? Are we seeing people uh, w- oftentimes, you know, we come into spaces like this or we go to church on the weekends and we kind of make things like this all about ourselves. We come here and we find our friends and we sit in our familiar place and we make something like this uh, 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 about ourselves and we're like, I can't wait to worship God. But are we actively looking for people in spaces like this who, who, who might need us? And, and there are people in, in, our sc- in your schools, in our workplaces who, who, who need you they, they, and they don't need this lofty argument. They don't need a theological explanation about how the world came to be. And, 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 and they don't need an apologetics lesson. You know what they need is they need someone to come alongside them. They need a friend. They need a buddy. They need someone to ask them how their day was. They need someone to engage with them. They just need someone to love them and accept them and show them mercy. They need someone who's just willing to get in the mess with them. And Jesus did this. He did it for Levi by inviting him to follow him. And you know what Levi does when Jesus says, hey, Levi, come and follow me? He drops everything and he follows Jesus. And I just think this is so crazy because Jesus wasn't on Levi's radar at all. He wasn't concerned about Jesus. He wasn't thinking about God. He wasn't like, oh, I've heard about this Jesus guy and I want to meet him. He's just living his life. He's just doing his thing. But the whole time, Levi was on God's radar, and I just think that's crazy, so Levi was so far gone, Levi had rejected God, he'd been, he rejected his people, he'd been rejected by his people, he's this guy who would have appeared to be so far gone, but, but one encounter with Jesus can change everything, and he encountered Jesus, and it changed everything for him, the truth is that God can get a hold of anyone's heart and I just want to encourage you some of you I I know your stories and some of you I don't but you've been you've got some people in your life who don't know Jesus and and maybe your parents maybe your siblings maybe some friends and you've been praying for them can I just encourage you that your friends your your parents your cousins your family they're not too far gone keep praying for them because God can get a hold of their heart and God can do something significant in their life I prayed for my brother for three years before he met Jesus in a way that transformed his life So keep praying, keep contending on behalf of those people in your life. And if you're here and you say, well, man, like God doesn't, God could never love me. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I just want you to know that if God could come into Levi's life and change his life, and he was this terrible dude, this tax collector, then nobody is too far gone for God to transform their life. After Levi decides to go all in and follow Jesus, he decides to, throw this huge banquet, this huge feast for Jesus. And the Bible tells us that he invites all of his friends. You know who his friends were? People like him, sinners, tax collectors, just the worst of the worst. And you know what Jesus does? When he decides to throw this banquet for him, he goes. And I love this because this is the way that Jesus reached people. Like, so often we we think of evangelism, or re, uh, evangelism is just this fancy church word for reaching people. So we think of evangelism, reaching people, impacting their lives uh, with the good news of Jesus. It's like, we see these videos online, right? And there's these guys, they have a camera on them, they're like, hey, we're in Venice Beach and we're going to go up and evangelize to some people. And they find someone and they they begin having this this, this, this argument with them, really, and they're trying to back them into a corner so at the very least they could admit, okay, I'm wrong and you're right. And they use these arguments. And so we look at this as Jesus followers and we're like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't have money to get a camera. I don't want to, you know, do this. I don't want to go to a beach and just start telling people why they're wrong and I'm right. Like, if that's evangelism, I don't want anything to do with it. But that's not how Jesus evangelized. That's not how Jesus reached out to people. And so you don't have to walk up to people and walk through the Romans road or share a gospel track with them. All you have to do is invite them into your life and allow them into yours as well. Share the gospel just by living your life. Like you don't need a Bible college degree. You don't need to be a pastor to impact and influence the people's lives around you. You just need to see who God has put in your path. You just need to be aware of how God is trying to work and move through you. And it bothers me so much. We've made this so complicated. Like we've made reaching people a ministry. Uh, we've compartmentalized it and we said, okay, we're going to go reach people and do evangelism on Thursday nights from 7 till 9. Show up if you want to save the world. And we're like, I just don't want to, I'm busy Thursday so I can't do evangelism? Like, but, th- but that's not it. And so all you have to do is be yourself, and live your life with purpose and intention, and be willing to get in the mess with people, and, and, you know, if you really want to be like Jesus and reach people, go have dinner with them, and if you want to be real spiritual, make them pay and prepare for it, and so Jesus, Jesus never cooked, and he never, I never, not once do I see him being like, hey, thank you so much, you know, here's the money for the groceries, never, it was always on the other person, come on, Who's up for evangelism now, right? <laughs> and really, evangelism isn't something that we do. Evangelism is just, it's, it's our lives. Everything we do is evangelism because if we're living intentionally, we should always either be, and you know, you're not just evangelizing when you, when you lead people towards Jesus. You can evangelize people away from Jesus. So we're always evangelizing because we're just living our lives in a way that would point people Towards God, like, why are you so nice? Because of Jesus. Why did you do that for me? Because of Jesus. Why do you work hard? Because of Jesus. Why do you show up early? Because of Jesus. Like everything we do should be pointing people towards Jesus. And a few months ago, we talked about okay, if you want to uh, influence someone's life, you have to first earn respect. Like you got to walk the talk. No one is gonna respect someone uh, who doesn't walk the talk. Like, hey, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. He changed my life. It's like, bro, you club. Every Friday and Saturday. Like, I drove down Main Street. I saw you standing in line at 441. Like, what do you, what do you, that's not, that doesn't sync up. And so you got to actually walk the talk. People need to, like, be like, okay, they actually live it out. So you got to earn respect. Once someone respects you, then they'll allow you to begin building relationship because you can't be in relationship with someone that you don't respect. It just doesn't work. So you build respect you begin to develop a relationship, and after that relationship has been formed, then you are an influence in someone's life. And so we gotta stop making it so complicated. Guys, God is calling us to reach the Levi's of the world, and if we just compartmentalize it and, and make it so difficult, it's not gonna happen. And you know what, it's not hard. It's not hard to, like our world is so dark, like just holding the door open for someone, smiling at someone, waving at them, hey, I like your shirt, hey, great hair, like it looks different than last week, noticing things about people, like it's not hard, you know, not yelling at your barista when they get your Starbucks order wrong, still tipping your waiter even though they've been miserable and you can tell they've had a bad day and just want to go home, still tipping them, like being generous towards people, that's how we love the world, it doesn't have to be this lofty apologetical argument that, that we go and we just have these conversations and back people into corners, all we have to do is be willing to get in the mess with people and be willing to have a mess around us. But you know, the interesting thing is that when you live this way, when you get in the mess with people, they're gonna start talking about you. They're gonna say things about you. They're not gonna understand, and we see the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious elite of the day. Essentially, they were pastors in the, in, at, at this time. They were the people who oversaw the, the synagogues and, and, and the religious system. And so we see that the Pharisees, when Jesus goes and eats with Levi and his friends, they start grumbling and complaining to the disciples. And they're like, how are you eating with these sinners? And Jesus, how could you give them a second chance? And Jesus, why are you accepting them? And Jesus, why are you wasting your time on these people? If you want to begin impacting and influencing people, you've got to be okay with being misunderstood. If you want to love people like Jesus, people aren't going to get it. They're not, they, they just can't make sense of it, especially in our polarized world, right? Everything is black and white, and if you don't land on one side, people are going to be, their minds are going to be blown. They're just not going to understand. So if you're like, no, ah, it's black and white, but I see the gray. I see this, this messy middle, and I'm going to kind of hang out there, and I'm just going to, like, I understand that humanity is broken and fallen, and life isn't clean and tidy, and your ducks, getting your ducks in a row, doesn't really that's not really a thing. And so I'm just going to camp out in the middle here. People are going to talk. People aren't going to get it. When you associate with the outcast, when you associate with the, mar- the marginalized and the oppressed and the disenfranchised, people are going to point their finger all in the name of, guess what, holiness godliness they're going to say that person's not godly and you shouldn't be with them or steer clear of that guy because you know they did drugs and 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 it just they're not going to get it but you know what I believe with all my heart sometimes the most holy and godly thing we can do is get our hands dirty and get in the mess with people like get in the mud and come out looking like me as a kid looking for earthworms I believe that if people aren't talking crap about you you're living your life wrong Jesus invites you to a life where people look and they point at behind your back. They say, oh, I can't believe that person. I thought they were a Christian. Th- they're hanging out with so-and-so and they're doing this kind of ministry. And, you know, Jesus and follow- his followers in New Testament and old, they were criticized and they were critiqued for loving and hanging out with people who the religious had excommunicated or shoved to the, to the side. They got their hands dirty. People hated it. But guess what? They did it anyways, and it changed the world. It changed the world. And so God is calling us to love others so radically that it won't make sense to anyone else. And if you're doing this thing right, you should expect to be mocked and insulted and ridiculed. Jesus says in John 15, 18, he says, hey, I just need you to know, if you want to follow me, uh, people are going to hate you. Uh, but don't worry, it's because they hated me first. And you're like, how is that comforting? But if you want to love and live like Jesus, you're going to be hated like Jesus was hated. And we've got to become okay with that because we serve a God who isn't afraid of a little mess. He's not not afraid of a little bit of controversy. And so we need to uh, realize if we love like Jesus loves, the backlash is going to come. People are going to say stuff. People aren't going to understand you. But that means you're on the right track. If you've got haters, you're headed in the right direction. So here's what we all need to do when the haters come is we need to channel our inner Jay-Z. We need to brush the dirt off of our shoulders, you know. And we just need to go through, push through it, and keep going. And as we conclude, I, I, I love how Jesus, the, the Pharisees are grumbling. They're complaining. They're upset. I love how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. He, he essentially says this. He says, uh, guys, um, Healthy people don't need doctors, but sick people do. Sick people need doctors, not healthy people. And so Jesus completely, in one little sentence, completely flips the narrative that had been so prominent in this culture and actually continues to this day. And that is this idea that God loves and is for people who are godly and have it all together and just obey Him. And God does love those people, absolutely. But when the religious elite looked at Levi and his friends. They just looked at him and, and and they they scowled and they said you're not good enough. And Jesus looked at Levi and his friends and he says, "Hey, uh, I'll I'll eat, I'll eat with you." Yeah. You're you're good enough for me, and I love you. And so today as Jesus followers when religious people or just anyone in general looks down on people and tries to cut them and and they stand proud and arrogantly and they, they point and they say, look at the mess that you've made when talking to broken people who don't have it all together. Christians, followers of Jesus, should be the first to say, uh, hey, it's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a mess too. I, I got a puddle on the floor too. But you know what? I was made for the mess and I'm going to be here with you. I'm not going anywhere. And if you need me to, and if you want me to, and if you invite me, well, then I'm going to help you clean up this mess. But if you don't want me to, that's okay. I'm not going to pressure you. And if you don't figure it all out, if you don't, you know, clean yourself up, that's okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here with you no matter what. And this is the vision of heaven. This is the vision of heaven, that sick people would receive healing, that broken people would be redeemed and restored by the grace of of God. And you know what I think the most amazing part of this entire story is? So in, in the Bible, there uh, in the New Testament, it begins with what we call the Gospels. Uh, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels are essentially accounts of Jesus' life. And what they do, all four of them together, kind of give us a larger, more holistic understanding of his life and his ministry and uh, his death and resurrection. And they kind of come from different angles. Well, this story about Levi is actually told in three of the four gospels. It's told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Only John doesn't talk about it. And what's so interesting is in the gospels of Luke and Mark, Levi, his name is Levi. But in the gospel of Matthew, Levi's name isn't Levi. His name is Matthew, as in the author of the gospel according to matthew and so god got a hold of this guy levi aka matthew he had two names and he took him from this tax collector this guy who had been outcasted and rejected and who did, who had done terrible things like he deserved it and he turned him into a writer in the bible an author and in the bible and now when we read the words that he penned thousands of years later we are impacted buy them. God took a tax collector and he turned him into a biblical author. Wow. How insane is that? God took a risk on this guy and he ended up becoming an author in the Bible. And so I would say to you tonight that it's always better to take a risk on someone than to not because you never know, you never know what kind of a miracle God can do their lives. I believe that we are called to get in the mess. We were made for the mess. And when we get in the mess, God does amazing things. And for many of us, God has invaded our lives and He's gotten into our mess. And we have some miracle stories, some things that God has done in our lives that we could share about. Some of us could go on and on and God did this and God did that. But some of us here, you are here and you're like, that's great and all, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that this invitation that God extended towards Levi, that God extended towards people all throughout history and many people in this room is extended towards you. And so I want to give uh, you the opportunity to accept this invitation. And so what I'm going to do is every single person here, uh, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just to create a moment of privacy and intimacy, just, just as you and God. And what I'm going to ask you to do in a second, I'm going to count to three. And on that three, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. If you fall in this category, you're here and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or I used to when I was little and I'm in this place now and I, hadn't, I, I, I haven't talked to God in a while. I haven't prayed. He's just not really a part of my life anymore, but I want him to be. If you're here and you say, I want God to be a part of my life, either for the first time or again in a second, I'm going to count to three. And you can just throw up your hand and that's an outward symbol of what God is doing on the inside of you. And there's nothing magical about that except it's kind of like a line in the sand saying, no, this is it. Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I promise you this, your life will not get perfect. Your your debt will not magically disappear. Your pain will not all of a sudden stop. You will have trials and hardships. Remember, Jesus said, people are going to hate you. There will be issues. Jesus said, there will be trials. But you get to walk through those trials and those issues and celebrate your victories with the God of the universe, Jesus. So I'm going to count to three, and if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm just going to invite you to lift up your hand. One, Jesus loves you so much, and he's extending this invitation to you. Two, God loves you so much, and if you give your life to him right now, it will never be the same. Three, if that's you, I just want to invite you to lift up your hand all across this room. Hands are lifted. Amazing. Amazing. I see your hands. Thank you so much. I'm going to pray for you. Father, Thank you for the hands that are lifted right now. Thank you for calling your children back to you, whether for the first time or the hundredth time. They're home now, and we just celebrate that, and we thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives. And I just pray, I pray that you would surround them with good people, people who would take care of them, people who would show them the ropes and show them how to walk this thing out. We just pray for a deep community to come around them. And, God, would you protect them against any attack of the enemy tonight, tomorrow, and the next week that would say, hey, that was all a lie. Just, just give them a sound mind, Jesus. And, uh, yeah, we're, are, we're just so thankful. Be with them. Lead them. Guide them. Show them the rope. Show them how to do this thing. Just invade their lives and take them to this whole new level. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, I saw hands all over the place. One over here, one over here. Can we just celebrate? That's amazing. God is so good. Hey, as we close, we're going to worship in just a minute. But here's how I want to encourage you, challenge you, whatever. Gone are the days, gone are the days when professionals and pastors and leaders who stand on pulpits and stages just like this are the only ones reaching out to people. These days, those days are over. Where, where we come and we're the evangelists and you just consume, where people just consume church and it's like, I go to church for one hour and 15 minutes a week, those days are over. It's time for the church, as in God's people, to rise up and be the church. It's time for the children of God to look around and be like, oh, I'm not the only child of God and begin to get in the mess with people so the, ch- the, the, the family of God can be increased and the population of heaven can be increased. You know, I find it crazy that there are, there's, there are shows on Netflix where people who don't even know Jesus are loving people better than those who follow Jesus. And I just want to say that time is over. That time is done. It's time to change the narrative. No longer will the church be known as a bunch of people who get into holy huddles and talk about how everyone else is wrong we're right and we have it all together, those days are over. No longer will we be known as hypocrites and arrogant people and homophobics and judgmental Christians. Let's change that narrative. Let's be known for what we're for, not what we're against. Let's be known for loving people. Let's be known as like, man, those Christians, they always get in the mess. When I was at my worst, they came and they helped me through it and they didn't judge me and they didn't tell me I needed to do this. They were just in the mud with me. Listen Reaching our cities, reaching our neighborhoods, reaching, reaching our country, we can't do it looking clean. We gotta get our hands dirty. We've got to get in the mud and get messy the same way that God did for us, right? We're all a mess, we would all admit it. So in the same way God has gotten to our mess, we gotta get in the mess for others. Now, really quickly, two practical tips um, that I wanna give you as we go about our lives and we, we try to make an impact for Jesus things that we can do you're like okay that's great in theory but what does that look like well i can't tell you exactly what it looks like but practically here's two tips the first is this look look jesus saw levi and that led to this miracle god who do you want me to see open my eyes open my eyes as big as they've ever been so i could see not through my own lens but through your lens jesus who do you want me to see Who do you want me to acknowledge? Is there someone at my work? Is there someone at my school? Is there someone on the bus? Is there someone here at the ascent that you need me to see? So look, look for people, be intentional. And finally, love, love. God, help me to love these people the way that you love me. Help me to be merciful to these people the way you've been merciful to me. And let's be generous with our love. Let's throw love out there like we're love millionaires. And we're just like, ah, I got plenty of love to go around. We just throw it out. We're just throwing out love. And even when it comes back to hurt us, when we take risks on people and it doesn't pan out the way that we wanted it to, let's just be generous with our love. So look for the people that Jesus sees and love people the way that Jesus has loved us. Church, this is what you were made for. You were made for the mud. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to wrap this night up with some worship.